you all. Um, if you are a visitor this morning, just want to extend that welcome that Jeeves uh, gave to you. Really good to see you. Please stick around and have tea and coffee at the end. Um, we'd love to chat and get to know you. Uh, my name's Ian. I'm part of the leadership team here. Blessed to be able to serve the church here in Seven Oaks. Um, and as I was saying last week, just really excited about all that God is doing um, through us as a church. We've seen people respond to the gospel, um, seeing people grow in the Lord. Um, it's a really, really exciting time, and there's more to come. And I, I just want to get behind Sue with the uh, David Hamilton event that's coming up. This guy had a radical life transformation because of the power of God. And um, people are showing a lot of interest, actually. We've seen quite a few sign up already through the website. Um, and if you want to come, actually, that's a good way to, to sign up through the website, just so we have an idea of numbers. And we have a sign-up sheet as well, don't we? So just to really encourage you, not just to come to here, but also bring people as well. Because we believe, we're believing in this event that actually people, as a result of coming to this, will eventually come to faith in Jesus Christ. Um, just before I, I get going, I just want to recommend a few books to you. Um, I, over the years, I've really been trying to dig into the Word of God get, to get to know Him better. Often we, we go through our, this Christian life saying, wanting God to speak to us, and we don't know what the will of God for our life is. Well, actually, it says so in here, the will of God for your life. Dig into this book because you really get to know Him. And it just helps me by reading books like this. Um, there's a guy called, I'm sure a lot of you have heard, Timothy Keller. Um, he's written a couple of little commentaries like this. This one I'm reading at the moment, Judges, for you. I, I, I just literally can't wait to read the next chapter of Judges the next day. I, I'm getting so much out of it, God's speaking to me, and it's just making it really exciting. And I've, I've kind of skimmed through Judges before, and I thought, this is a, this is a bit cheerful. Um, but actually, this God is just really at work all the way through, and it's a really exciting book, and reading this helps. And he's done Galatians, and he's written a couple uh, on Romans as well, and I think a few others. But just really recommend it. So they're, kind of ju they're called Judges for You, Galatians for You. Check them out, because they, they've really helped me just over this last month or so, just really digging into the Word of God. And I would encourage you to do that. Dig in. Get to know him. Um, Mark brought something this morning, didn't he, about the pearl of great price and what it's worth surrendering everything for, for knowing Jesus. And um, I just wanted to back that up, really, just to say it really is worth it. It really is worth knowing him. I lived for 23 years without knowing Jesus. Um, and the last few have been so much considerably better and there's a verse that came to mind, actually, uh, this morning as I was praying about today. Um, and it's from Revelation 3, verse 20. And Jesus says, here I am, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. You know, Jesus is knocking on the door. He's knocking on your door. There's a, a picture that's often shown in the Alpha course where uh, it's the Holman Hunt, and there's a, it's a picture of Jesus knocking on the door. And Nicky Gumbel often, when he talks about it, he says that people said to the artist when he was alive that, oh, you've missed something out. You've missed the handle. There's no handle on the door. And he says, well, no, that's not a mistake. The handle is on the inside. And the handle is on the inside for you to open that door to Jesus. 
can I recommend you open that door to Jesus? Because he's knocking on the door and he wants to know you. And even as Christians, sometimes we can kind of retract and get lost in life and complications and difficulties, but actually surrender to him. Surrender to him. Because actually we have to die to ourselves. It doesn't really work if we try to just add Jesus on as a little, little add-on into life. It doesn't quite work. Jesus wants everything. He wants your eternal salvation. Your eternal destiny is changed because we don't, life doesn't just end here when we leave this earth. We go on. And the Bible says there are two paths to take. One is wide and easy to take. But one is narrow and difficult. And not many pass through the gate on the narrow road. Because it's not easy, but you're to die to yourself and take that narrow road. And you can be with him forever. Forever. He comes to give us life and life in all its fullness. So I can, I just urge you to open the door. He's knocking. He's knocking on the door. How will you respond? Anyway, again, that's not what I'm speaking on this morning. Um, we're going to continue in our discipleship series. And again, just going to carry on looking at what disciples receive, looking at uh, the Holy Spirit and baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is a really important part of our Christian life. Last week, we looked at how the Holy Spirit can come in and change us as, as people, freeze us from um, addictions, patterns of behavior, um, kind of, I called on the younger generation to really pursue the Holy Spirit. How the older generation have really fought for this over the years. And how it's important for the younger generation now coming through to really pursue the Holy Spirit. Say, let's not be trying to control um, stuff, but let the Holy Spirit in, let him come in and work in us. There are gifts of the Spirit that he wants to give. And I believe he wants to give out gifts of the Holy Spirit to you today. You might have discounted yourself from certain things, saying that's not for me, but actually it is. It's for you. just want to reassure you that you're not sure if you've got the Spirit of God in you. Well, if you want to follow Jesus, then you have got the Spirit in you. No one, it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. No one. If your spirit desires that Jesus is glorified, as it says in John 16, if your spirit desires that sin is dealt with in your life, if your spirit desires that people are loved, then he's in you. He's changing you. If your spirit desires that others come to know Jesus, then he's in you. So I just want to reassure you, when we were talking about baptism in the Spirit last week, I talked about, you know, there's a, a secondary thing as well where we read where disciples who believed in Jesus didn't know about the Holy Spirit, didn't know about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and Paul and apostles laid hands on these people and the Spirit came. So I just want to reassure you that you do have the Spirit in you, but also to pursue baptism in the Spirit. My 
own experience, I changed as the Spirit came and worked in me. It changed how I felt about other people. I wanted sin dealt with in my life. I wanted other people to come to know Jesus. I had a heart for the poor, which I'd never had before. It broke my heart to see uh, poor on the telly and coming into contact with it in real life as well. Broke, broke my heart. That wasn't there before. How I loved others. I became a nicer person. God was changing me. I even felt slightly better about Liverpool supporters. <laughs> but God is working in me. And we need to ask to receive, like we did last week, um, when I read from John 7, where Jesus says, Come to me, all who are thirsty. Luke 11, he says, Ask, seek, knock. Are you asking? Are you seeking? Are you thirsty today? God wants to give us good gifts. We need to, it says in Corinthians, to eagerly desire. There, of course, needs to be repentance. Repentance is more than just saying sorry, but it's literally turning your back on ways of living, a previous behavior. We need to be persistent. It doesn't always happen instantly. And we live in this instant download fast food culture where we want things now. We want them now. But when we're pursuing God, we're not ordering a Mackey D's in a drive-thru. We're not downloading an app. We're seeking a relationship with a living God. If you could turn in your Bibles to Luke 11. From Luke 11, from verse 5. <clears throat> Jesus said this. He said, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. Suppose... The one on the inside answers, don't bother me, the door's already locked, my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So what must it be like when we come to the Almighty God, the loving Father who created you, who sent his Son to die for you? We don't need to be timid when we approach God or try and persuade him, we can just unashamedly ask for the Spirit to come. Then keep asking. This is a daily, daily thing. If you're looking for more of him, then it, it's important to be intentional about it. There needs to be a willingness to surrender, a case of relinquishing control, not checking your brain at the door, but saying, Lord, I trust you, creator of heaven and earth, you who died for me, I, I trust you to come in. And he wants to come to lead us. The, the Spirit wants to come in and lead us. Not to kind of give us some sort of force or power on our own, but 
we're receiving it so we can be used for his will. Do you want to be used for his will? That's a, that's a big question, actually, to ask ourselves sometimes. Do you want the will of God for your life? Are you willing to say, Lord, your will be done, not mine? Are you willing to surrender? I think probably 99% of us are, are control freaks. We want to control our own lives. But God's saying, no, come, let me in. Line up with my will and not yours. Can I tell you, as I'm trying to line my will up with, with God's, he doesn't disappoint. He doesn't let you down. My will, as I've said before, was to stay in Bury St. Edmunds, to build a business, to, to carry on with the church there. God's will said, no, I want you back in Seven Oaks, and I'm calling you to things here. And I'm so glad I'm in the will of God. I'm so glad I'm here in Seven Oaks. Not everything is easy. It's not all been a bed of roses. But I'm so glad I, I want to be in the will of God. Do you want to be in the will of God? Good. We need to trust him. Later on in Luke 11, it says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, give him a scorpion. If you, then, though you're evil, you're saying basically you're an evil bunch, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So surrender. Surrender to him. Surrendering to him, to a God, is a God who's laid down his life for you. You can trust him. If you can turn now to 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to spend a bit of time there. One Corinthians 12:31 says, "Eagerly desire the greater gifts, and I will show you the most excellent way." 1 Corinthians 14 says, "Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. It doesn't say the gifts of the Spirit came and now they're gone and they're not for us now. No, it says eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Paul says at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 12, Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant or uninformed, it might say, in your version. Do not be uninformed about the gifts of the Spirit. You see, the kingdom of God is to be built in seven oaks. And he's saying, I want to help. This is, we can line up, we can help him. We are co-labors, but we can't do this in our own abilities and our own strengths. He wants to give you good gifts this morning. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit, and he gives us tools to build the kingdom. There's things I can do now that I couldn't do before I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I couldn't stand up here and talk before. I was too nervous. I didn't like speaking in public. So you all have gifts that God has given you. 
And there are other gifts that he's waiting to give you if you're ready. If you're looking in into this church, thinking, yeah, maybe, maybe this is the place for us. Maybe we could be here. This, you know, they all seem like mostly nice people. We're all very nice, actually. We're all very nice. Then we want you to come and serve and operate in your gifting. We don't want you to sit on the sidelines. We want you to be part of this church and serve in the giftings that God has given you. We're moving forward. I believe we're taking ground in Seven Oaks. But if you want to come and join, we want you to be a part of it, get involved, get serving, and operate in your gifts. See, we're growing. We're growing in different areas as well. We're growing in the kids' work. We're growing in the creche. We're growing in lots of different areas. Well, we need people to serve in those areas as we get bigger. See, to be part of Christ's glorious church is to sacrifice self as well. Your time, your money. Often we can all see areas that need improving. Well, you can be the part of the solution. We're not perfect. We're very nice people, but we're not perfect here. We're called into this kingdom building, and he gives us weapons and tools. So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians now, 12, 1 to 11. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant, it says in my version. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. It's good, isn't it? These are all gifts of grace. The Spirit graciously gives gifts, freely given, that aren't based on our goodness, our spirituality, or our intelligence, which I'm really pleased about, because they're grace. It's grace. So we can't boast, actually, because it's grace. The gifts of the Spirit aren't badges to be worn or trophies to be shown off, but tools to be, to be used. They're there for showing the good news of Jesus to the world. My own experience with um, kind of moving in evangelism, when I first became a Christian, I had lots of people say over me and prophesy over me about being an evangelist. And I just, it terrified me because I thought, I can't talk to people about Jesus. I don't 
I didn't know enough. I didn't know my Bible very well. I didn't have good comebacks or anything like that. But the Spirit working through me, I allowed the Spirit to work through me. And I'm not perfect at it. I don't have success all the time. But the Spirit of God works through me and enables me to do that. So let's just look at a a few of the gifts. We have words of wisdom. Kind of supernatural insight is given. Wisdom or an astuteness that allows us to direct people towards God and freedom and life. Solomon in Kings, the Spirit of God came on him and gave him wisdom when there was two mothers who were saying one, both had babies, one of them died, and then they were trying to make a claim to one baby. God gave him wisdom to say, all right, cut the baby in half. And then the real mother said, no, let her have it. Let, let the other lady have the baby. And God knew. Then he knew who the real mother was. Prophecy. When a person senses God speaking through either a word or a sentence, can often get pictures in their head that weren't there before. Um, I was just telling people last night about a guy, our friend Joe, who prophesied over me and Gemma. Didn't tell him anything about um, coming here. And he described the, ch- the building the, the very building that we're in, he described it, described the community that it's in, described what it's looked like, and described what Adam was asking me to come and help them with. Faith, often a strong or sudden confidence, maybe to pray for someone to speak to somebody in the street or share the gospel with others. I've done this in the streets before. I just suddenly have this faith come upon me and I'm able to speak to people. Had it in Alpha, just know when someone needs to respond. Had it, we see it in Acts with Peter, the gift of faith comes upon him and he speaks to the lame beggar and he says, get up and walk. Gift of healing. God uses us to supernaturally heal a disease or infirmity. Gives lots of examples to follow, Jesus does, through the Gospels and in, we see in Acts 2. God's given me a gift of healing to pray for people before as well. And I've seen people healed and I've prayed for them. Um, But also have this kind of odd but good gift sometimes. I've prayed for uh, couples to conceive. Last time was a couple in Bury St. Edmunds who were struggling to conceive for two or three years. Uh, Gemma and I prayed for them and then nine months later they had a baby. That's happened quite a few times to us. We're not praying for ourselves anymore. (laughs) We're done. We're done. We had one of those days yesterday. We're definitely done. (laughs) Glad they went to bed. Bless them. Love them. But it was one of those days. But, yeah, definitely not doing that. But God can supernaturally use us. I mean, I was just blown away by Malcolm telling the story of his brother. Blown away. I mean, that's just, that's not something we should just go, oh, well done, jolly good, well done, God. No, we need to rejoice and celebrate that the almighty King of Kings came and healed Mike. He, they said leukemia, now they say nothing. That's amazing, isn't it? Amazing. And he can heal you today if you want it. 
Lastly, uh, we're a bit pushed for time, but I just think it's really important that we show this video that I've got. Um, can often cause controversy, and that is the gift of speaking in tongues. So we're just going to show a video, and then I'm going to just summarise at the end, hopefully. Oh dear. If it doesn't, it's okay. Don't worry. Yes. <laughs> okay, let, let's, not, let's not worry about it because we're kind of pushed for time anyway. But um, we, we read in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians uh, 14, well, 13 and 14 about the gift of speaking in tongues. And <clears throat> this is a real point of surrender, actually. No. Um, it can be a real point of surrender because we don't quite understand it. We're speaking and communicating with our Heavenly Father. It says in um, 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says that he speaks in tongues more than any other. And if the Apostle Paul prayed so much in tongues, it's probably because he found it hugely cultivating and valuable in his spiritual life and his intimacy with God. Just this week, we were uh, talking um, in house group about worries and anxiety, and um, Sophie talks about how when sometimes, I think it was worry you were talking about, um, she starts speaking in tongues for a few minutes, and just the peace of God comes. And we may not understand it, we may not be able to logically explain that, but if it says it in here that we should speak in tongues, if he desires that we speak in tongues, Paul spoke in tongues more than everybody else, then I think it's something we should desire. If, I just want to ask you, if you, don't want to, if you don't have the gift of tongues and you don't want it, I would just want to ask you why that is. Because it draws you closer to the Father in heaven. My spirit connects with him when I'm speaking in tongues. Sometimes we get to that point, we don't know what to say anymore. And then I can speak in tongues and I connect with him and then actually stuff flows out of that as well. At the end, we're going to respond and we're just going to ask God to give us good gifts because he wants to use you in his kingdom. He wants to use you in seeing this church built up and seeing people respond to the gospel. And then at the end, right after we're going to have a, one last song, um, there are going to be some people here that are willing to pray for you and lay hands on you and maybe talk it through with you if you're struggling with that. Um, Mike Pilavachi tells a story in his book um, about when he first spoke in tongues. And he heard that it was good to repent of his sins. And, and he said he, he, he repented of his sins, <clears throat> and then nothing. So he said he also heard it was good that you, if you were relaxed, that that would be good as well. So he said he ran a hot bath, and he poured half a bottle of Radox in it. And he sat there, and then he confessed his sins. 
He said he confessed sins that he thought about. He confessed sins that he'd only ever read about in the newspaper, but still nothing. He said the bath went cold and he got out. And then he went to his home group leaders and asked, him, asked them if they could pray for him. So they sat him down and they said, we're going to just now uh, pray in English and then we're going to start speaking in our heavenly, praying in our heavenly language and when we touch your lips, you can start praying in that too. So he said they started praying and they were praying and he was just, you know, kind of waiting for that moment for them to come and touch his lips. I don't think we're going to do that, by the way. I'm not quite sure about that. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, I said I don't do weird last week. Um, and they were praying, and then they said they touched his lips, and he said they sounded so beautiful, so they were worried that they were now going to find out that he'd been spiritually rejected by Jesus. He was going to be the only Christian ever that hadn't received the Holy Spirit. Um, and then they touched his lips, and he said, so he said, a few words, and he said, Shalabala. And then they said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just as he said, I was just thinking, they're now going to stone me for being a false tongue speaker. <laughs> but they said, thank you, God, give him more. So he said, Shalabala, Bilabala. And they said, thank you, Lord Jesus, more for him. And he, he said, well, I'm nothing if not a showman. So I gave the people what they wanted. <laughs> So he said, Shalabala, Bilabala, and, and it went on and on. And then it got to the end, and they said, oh, that's fantastic. He said, now, I want you to do that every day for the rest of your life. And he said, well, is that it? And we can feel like we're making it up, and it might sound a bit bonkers to start with, but actually when we keep trying and pushing, and like I said at the beginning, we need to really kind of pursue this because it does you good. It does you good. You can connect with him. When we hear it publicly, when so, you might hear somebody bring a tongue loudly on a Sunday morning, then we need to wait for the interpretation. And that is also for building and edifying the church. And when we do it on our own, it's for building and edifying us and drawing us closer to him. He says... Do not forbid speaking in tongues, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 40. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. So if it says that, and if Paul says it does him good, then I want to do it. Interesting, Terry Virgo, I was listening to him on speaking in the baptism of the Spirit. He said, God doesn't speak in tongues. You do. So we can often sit there and wait. And I've seen it before when I've prayed for people. They sit there and they wait. And they're waiting for God to move their mouth. And this is where the faith is involved in every, any area of our Christian life. We have to move. We have to speak. We have to make that first step out of the boat. So put your mouth into action and he will come in. We have to move and God will work. We have to make a step of faith and God will step in. Me and Sue realised that this week, didn't we? We were talking about things going on in the future of the church. No, we need to make steps of faith and God will come in. And it's the same with your mouth. Put your tongue and your lips into action, God will come in. 